this is Welcome Space Invaders, we know as listeners. Here's our brand new, far out, warped out episode of Warped Celluloid. Jack Rourke. Fantastic episode. Loud and clear with the esteemed, illustrious Chandler Williams. Thank you, Jack. How, how's it going on your end of the universe? Pretty, pretty busy, but I think I'm going well with it. With it, it's almost the holidays. We're in finals week, but you know what? I got a good chunk of my work done, so I'm very laissez-faire about it. Live and let live, you know. I can relate to that. That's you know, good to hear. Anyway, it's almost the end of the year, like our first year of work celluloid, ain't that? Ain't that something? <laughs> yeah, it's been been a trip. <laughs> it's been a good. Eh, it's been an interesting one. Yes, yeah. I guess interesting is the best we could hope for <laughs> with this interesting tr- with year. This podcast. And that yeah, certainly yeah. applies to the film we're talking about today, La Planète Sauvage, a.k.a. Fantastic Planet. Fantastic Planet. Special Grand Prize, Cannes Film Festival. Fascinating, a fine adventure story. Fantastic planet. Also, I'm gonna cut the trailer in like usual, but is it me or does the woman say narrating that trailer sound like she couldn't be less interested? She's French. Like, I mean, I know. I mean, like she. It's spoken in English too. It's. I think it was the North American distributor one. Is like blank blank the New York Times. Oh. That's the. It sounds so disaffected. Like. 
I just want to get the, or get this so I can make rent for the month. <laughs> who no, anyway, who knows? Anyway, first thoughts. Let's get off the cuff with this. My first note was that uh, this is our first French film, which um, I thought was kind of surprising, but fitting a, a good one to do for our first. Yeah, um, I mean, actually, I mean, we'll get to this more when we get to the what we've watched else we've watched recently. But I've been watching quite a few French films lately, honestly. France nice. is a good place for cinema, honestly. A very good place. Yes, indeed. Um, one Your that I have not. Films seen. are superb. I think this film is right up our alley too. Oh, definitely. Really, I'm like, it's also our, our like, I think the third animated film we've covered, and also the third one to be science fiction related, specifically animated. Because we always we also did uh, wizards, we also did heavy metal, and now this. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I makes sense. Um, no, we talk my about first. It's in an animation context or in text because the style in this movie is aside from the right, the social commentary, the thing people talk about when they talk about this. The way I summed it up right, in my notes was, um, it looks like a children's storybook from another dimension. Yeah. That's a that's a good way to even, to say it. I, I mentioned that not just because of the style, but because of the story too. It feels like a, or like a grim fairy tale, or like a where the wild things are. The, actually, the other joke I wrote down was it looks like like a hybrid of Maurice Sendak and Terry Gilliam. It's got like the style of like where the wild things are. The book, I mean, I mean what like the movement of like that paper cutout look that Gilliam did for Flying Circus. Yeah, that, that's a good good reference there. Um, yeah, the the style is. It's beautiful, but just interesting. You know, I, I wrote down the word interesting a lot, um, underlined it many times, because that's, that's I how feel I feel like about this movie. I we've been saying the word interesting a lot on this podcast. Hell, it might be the word we mo- or it might be, have used the most. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, like, all of our films... Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, like, all of our films, um, they could be yeah. described as interesting. Yeah, but we've said interesting so many times. Like, if you could just comb through these episodes, you can make a drinking game out of me or you saying interesting. <laughs> I don't recommend that, listeners, because you'd probably be dead in ten minutes. <laughs> or have like a like a dank remix of just like us saying things out of context. Yep. Different sentences. I mean, you could probably um, be, or be dead quicker from a drinking game of just the times I've said the word. Also. <laughs> <laughs> drink. Just kidding. Drink, 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 drink. Um. Want some beers, bro. <laughs> This movie would be like the last movie I would see a drinking game to. Um, we should probably get back yeah. into the esteemed Osh House voice. Mm, yes. yes. Palm. On that note, this film is no- also notable for its uh, awards right now, pedigree. It's in the Criterion Collection. <clears throat> Sponsored by Criterion. Sponsor, right, yes, it's also of won the Grand Jury uh, right, a Prize at a Con. The special jury. I mean, hang on. Which I, yeah. I'm gonna, but, I'm which I very exactly much see. Um. This is like it. This feels very con. Um, yeah. You know, just very art house. Grand Prix but like, Special Juries Prize at the 1973 con, con Film Festival. That's the full name of it. Now I remember. Nice. Sorry, I almost forgot there for a minute. I think I. Yep. 70, 73, right? Yeah, 73, 72. Production, I think, started in 1963, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, you'd be surprised how, how long animation took back then. I mean, not really, because it's animation, and it still takes long now, but I'm like, or in how sometimes films would just get, or in, in general, would get made piecemeal. Like, Peter Jackson's first mo- movie, I know this is live action, so or in, so it's kind of a stretch, but bear with me on this. Or in, that actually was, sh- or in, sorry, get shooting in 1983 and didn't get made, 
and was kind of shot piecemeal and edited piecemeal over the course of the next four years before finally getting released in 87. I've not right seen there. it. It is a very fun time. Not as sophisticated as this, though. Yes, this is very sophisticated for adult animation. Um, just animation in general, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, my, my, my first note was the score. How funky oh, yeah. and, like... That, that awesome prog rock score, which... Oh, yeah. I want to get the LP of that, because that must sound amazing on vinyl. Would sound pretty sick. Um, yep. I mean, like, yeah. How we keep talking about about like the dark side of the rainbow, the uh, Pink Floyd or in Dub Wizard of Oz. I want to see yes. this get dubbed with metal, specifically Echoes. Mm, okay, I could see that. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, seriously, though, and it's not just the score too. I think the whole movie has amazing sound design. design. Oh yeah, really yeah. Like an alien wor world. No, in. the oh, sound design is very sophisticated. It's and it's also very um, sparse too, which is amazing. How when you consider how uh, sparse the landscape, and how big and empty the landscape is, it it creates a little with a right, a lot with a little actually. Yes, it serves the other. It reminds me of like that 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 very early period in electronic music around the same time, like the very early albums from Tangerine Dream, like Fabra and Zeit, Fabra. I'm tripping over my own words right now. Zeit and uh, especially Rubicon. Yeah. Tangerine I'm not Dream familiar would also be amazing to dub over this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I do, I, the score is great, though. Um, yeah. I mean, like, it works to serve, like, the bare, the barrenness of this world. Um, but, like, it does it in a, I don't know, a way that complements itself. Yeah. I'd also say that doing a, doing a little to achieve a lot kind of sums up the whole movie's modus operandi, because this is, movie runs less than 80 minutes. In total, and it, I mean, but it does have some pretty big ambitions, which I think it mostly succeeds on. Yeah, and not I mean, just visually either, like social commentary, which uh, we'll and we'll get to might as well because the whole story is an allegory. That's just unavoidable. Yes, definitely. Um, but, which an allegory for what is a little harder to pin down, and I think that was intentional. I've seen a lot of people mainly speculate as to it's either about human rights or racism or animal rights, actually. Those are the three sense. I usually hear whenever I hear people like, what does this movie mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my next note was, um, I feel like this is for all of our films, but uh, super trippy. Yep. It's, it's far out. Has, it, help, it helps with, with the arch and allegorical nature of the story, too. Good God, just like the meditation scenes where their, eye, where their eyes disappear, like they pop into those bubbles. It is such a strange image. I wonder what I, what I, how I would have remembered this if I had seen it when I was little. <laughs> yeah, there's there some really creative ideas. I can't tell if it would have freaked me out or just confused me. <laughs> Maybe both. I could see like art school professors showing this to their children. <laughs> nice. In that <laughs> case, I more power to them. You know who I have to imagine is a big fan of this? Wayne Coyne, the lead singer of the Flaming Lips. I could you see know? that. Yeah. Because because I, mean, I look at a lot of the DNA of this and stuff in films like Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots and especially King's Mouth, which was, God, we might. Or I'd love to do a, or a bonus episode about music, 
thing where we just talk about our favorite prog rock albums because King's Mouth has a really interesting. It was actually just a, like an art exhibit that Wayne Coyne did about in 2014, and the album was actually just the soundtrack he did for it. They got Mick Jones from The Clash and Big Audio Dynamite to do do narration for the story bits. It's really quite something to experience. I wish cool. I yeah, I wish I could have um, rented that while it was still up. Yeah, yeah. Because I've um, seen the videos on YouTube and it's legitimately impressive. Cool. Would you would you show this film to, to kids? Depends on their age, honestly. Because I'm like, obviously not too low. I remember when uh, I was hearing uh, Drew McQueenie on the 80s All Over podcast talking about like how some films could should be shown up to kids when they're too long. Like 2001. I mean, because when if you show it to a kid at the right age, he'll just, he'll remember it as a fever dream and then show it to him when he's just a little bit older and it'll hit entirely differently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I... At first, I thought this was, like, an alternative. I don't think there's anything that's I mean, specifically awful for them. And, like, it's not all that gory. I mean, gory or I mean, it doesn't have any profanity. It's just there's a little... There's some know, nudity. An abstract. And it, there, there is some violence. Yeah, not a lot. Some blood. I mean, no, I'd still, still rather show my kid this than Watership Down, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not super Which sad. Which I think was the same year as this. I think it was... I'm going to look that up real quick. No, but originally, like, um, just knowing of this film. I, I know it wasn't made for kids, that's for sure. I know it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but uh, just knowing of this film before actually watching it, I thought it was, like, an alternative um, children's film, you know, like, something like um, Where the Wild Things Are or yeah. one of the those. The Spike Jones one or the book? I mean, both. Like, just the, that type of story. That's fair. Uh, that I think that's actually a really good comparison, honestly. Like, it actually kind of, they, I remember they made an animated special in the late 60s of, based on the book, and it looked, animation-wise, very similar to this. If yes, I can track I've, it down, I'll send it that. to you, and probably, hell, I might put it in the link, or in the, in the uh, description for this podcast, or in podcast when it finally goes up. Yeah. I've, uh, I remember my art teacher in, like, elementary school showing that to us. He, my, no way, mine did too. Nice. I, I think it was either for that or English, I don't. I remember, all I remember is I watched it when I was little and it stuck with me ever since. There was also a version of uh, Richard Kipling's Vicky uh, Tiki Tabi that was no drawn by Chuck Jones and had narration from Orson Welles. Wow. Yep. That was also pretty cool. That was also... No, but um, like going back to this film, I think there there's some really creative um, and interesting ideas at play. Um, just on a practical level. Yeah, the meditation scene, like, just how... I mean, like, how this world works is very creative. It's um, very clear, too. Like, the movie is very sparse on dialogue. So, like, it's there, and it explains it when it needs to, but most of it you can get just from visual. It's like, one of, honestly, I've, I mean, this is either a, or a good thing or a bad thing, depending on where you stand, but this is a movie I could honestly wa- watch with just the music and sound and still completely get. For the most part, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, but, I mean, like, the uh, meditation scene, like, where they... They go into the spheres, and then like we we don't know where they go for the longest time, and we then don't like you know what they do it for. It's I think it's just a cut. It could be anything from either or like some sort of think tank, or it could just be tripping out. And we know. I'm pretty sure it says that it could it like prolongs their life or something, um, but they 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 go to the that other planet like with the the headless statues of humans, which I think is just so cool. Like when like that shot in particular, definitely my favorite shot. Like the two headless, like ivory people, and then like the, the tiny spaceship landing in the background. That this shot. Really, I, I would, 
Renee Lelou is a, or a filmmaker I need to get. He only made three features, this being the most famous of them. One of them is, uh, I don't remember, something about time travel. The third one uh, don't, and got uh, really uh, sen heavily censored in its U.S. release, so that one is a bit difficult to talk about. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this, this guy. That was the name of the second one. Anyway, his short films, though, he's done quite a bit of, or a few of them, up until like the late 90s. He was working. And if you can f track them down, I'd I'd recommend it. The dude's a real talent. Yeah, I will. Um, I de I'm definitely interested in him as an artist now because this this, this film is a piece of art. Body of work of the film's uh, co-writer and production designer, actually, uh, Roland 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 Topper, I believe is how you see his name. He also worked on a he also worked on a with a Alejandro Jodorowsky on a few comic books. Or in books and uh, started as Renfield and Werner Herzog's version of Nosferatu. Okay. Okay. I didn't know at all. At all going into this, I was just doing research. I'm like, oh shit, that's or that's neat. That is neat. I'm ashamed to admit that I still haven't seen a lot of Werner Herzog stuff outside of Aguirre, The Wrath of God. I have not seen any of his films, as you would expect. We will. Um, we will do Herzog at some point. Mark my words. Yes. Yes. I want to see. Um. Wait, he, he did the one with the with the guy on the boat, like the, the cruise ship. Yes. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, he did that. That's his. Okay, okay, nice. Check that out. Check out Burden of Dreams as well. That's that is the Hearts of Darkness to uh, that film's Apocalypse Now. Back to the matter at hand. The alien designs. We talked about how strength it is, but we I don't think we mentioned it, like how the alien designs specifically are very, very distinct and striking. Almost well, alienating fitting but also also kind of disturbing in a way like their eye especially the eyes yeah it's it's a disturbing in a way that's like it's humanoid but the very much not it's like a 2d animation version of the uncanny valley but i think it's a yeah 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 but in a good way but it, like, in, a, in an aesthetically pleasing way it's a mark. very it's a very cool design and um it, it sticks with you that's for sure yeah, it's just creepy. Um, actually, before we started recording, I referred to you as evil Meg or an evil alternate dimension Megamind. Yes, <laughs> I thought of Megamind as well, which I is seen Megamind in years. No, I have not. I thought I remember it being fantastic. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, a lot of this film reminded me of Brave New World, yeah. which I'm not sure if you've read or not. I yeah, I had I read it in tenth grade. Nice. What specifically reminds you of Brave New World? I'm curious. Um, specifically the it's a it's a short sequence like in the beginning. Um, like as they put the kid on like the shelf, there's like a an intense like light, um, like you know flashing lights trip kind of thing. Um, and it seems ceremonial. You know, do you remember that? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see that. Honestly, the, 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 if I was going to compare this to classical, classical literature, honestly, it feels like a sci-fi version of Gulliver's Travels, only without the comedy. Yeah, yeah, I wrote down Gulliver's Travels as well. Um, well but also because the relationship you know, had the positions reversed and kind of had the position. Also, yeah. It also reminds me a lot of Planet of the Apes, but if you removed all the human stuff so, and, we and we just opened up right on uh, Charlton Heston in prison. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Um, yeah, definitely go Gulliver's Travels and Planet of the Apes. Although, honestly, I kind of like the original Planet of the Apes. 
it's good. The original is great, and I, I mean, and the whole series as a whole is great. And uh, sp- shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Zach Crane, Rain Crane, for helping me get into those movies. They're fun. They're one of these days we will have him on. Tr- mark my words. Back to the matter at hand. I mean, like a lot of my notes, looking back at them, are about the weird creative things that we see on screen, but we don't know what they mean. Um, like, for example, when the adults are like sitting in like a row of four, and their shirts like melt into each other, and like their bodies like, I was gonna twist. Say, I love the way the crossfades are used in this. I think yeah, that's- yeah. It's very sophisticated right. for the time of animation like, to, to use that in that, an animated sense. It's the two things that remind me of that where the wild thing special. It's the it's the pencil sketch look of it, and also the or in the sparse lack of movement, which doesn't feel as stilted as you think. Yeah, like, yeah, but it, I think that's a it's, a it's a super creative way to like edit animations it also using looked, the technology they yeah. had. It also it reminds me of how they did the the werewolf transformations for the Wolfman back in the day. They just shot like I mean, they just shot like an entire roll of or in a film of the makeup getting a plot or in getting applied and then faded or in cut out the parts where you could see or in see the make or in makeup and costume people or in just faded to those because they in the old Universal monster movies they, I think they used the same trick for or in for uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Same. Yeah, that's very smart. Yeah. It honestly, here's the thing, I mean, like, it's also, I mean, yeah, it's probably of its time, but I also think it looks really cool. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, like, it does look of its time, but in a cool way. I, also, I think the whole movie, again, is very arch and allegorical and very broad. I mean, because it is, it's telling what is on paper a very simple story. I mean, story, I mean, a man versus nature and prejudice and how to get along and all that. Yeah, which is why I think may, I mean, maybe it benefits for showing it to a young audience. Yeah, I guess so. Like, uh, you know, in terms of justice and uh, yeah, equality and whatnot. Um, yeah. and some very like, elementary. Not yeah, some very elementary themes at play. But the used, actual original you know, translation for the title is "Savage Planet," which I think is honestly a more fitting title. I like that Fantastic Planet a little more. It, it seems more. Cool. It sounds cool. Inviting. But, but I think Savage Planet, or honestly, com- conveys the nature of the story a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I can see that. Another, um, another, another little thing I wrote down actually, since it was made around the same time, was I jokingly called it "What if Salvador Dali directed Yellow Submarine?" <laughs> if the blue meanies were just the main characters. Yeah, I can, a lot I can see that. I wrote and down the, the note. A lot more heady. I just wrote down the word LSD, um, the letters. Um, so, yeah. I could I could see that being an inspiration as well for this. I like how we don't know the entire like capabilities of these creatures, but like what we see, it it's shows very you all cool. You need to know. Yeah, know. like how they, they how they can shape shift just a little bit. I think the be- the best thing about and one of the other great things about it is it when it does build its own world. Yeah, totally, totally. Again, yeah. this is one of those movies you really have to experience. I mean, yeah. Like any spoilers we say won't ruin the experience or instance, but it's one of those. Again, you have to see it and hear it to believe. Believe it. It comes entirely from the. Or the enjoyment comes from the watching of it. Of it and thinking back to it, like what your firsthand experience with it. It's. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. It's something that's it's, really hard to impart secondhand. It's indeed far out. As, far out as the, the kids say. Yeah. 
as well i say if we're right now, if we were doing this back in the 70s well one we wouldn't have an obvious because analog long and two we'd actually would be using that lingo right and when yeah. it was supposed to be used and not past this point of its expiration date <laughs> i don't know yeah but like, maybe going back to... we're being postmodern and ironic about it <laughs> then we're geniuses said... yes yeah that's yeah. the ticket yeah. we'll say that um never no, going back to what you said like of how you just have to experience this film like as a whole in full for yourself my roommates walked in when i was like in the middle of it and they were like dude what the hell are you watching um and you know because i I can imagine like seeing this out of context sometime (laughs) i i also originally like this would be one of the my top choices to play like on mute in the background of a house party or just like have it on mute and have the score going at the same time or in time, just so, or you can still have the music. But... No, I mean, like, we would be playing, like, house music for the house um, party. But, like... That'd be, that'd be an interesting combination, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, just just have this playing. Because I've been to house parties where they have, like, weird stuff playing in the background, and I think it's so awesome. Yeah, it's um, weird. I've seen, I've seen those, too. It's, it's definitely an interesting experience. Yeah, but if I saw this at a party, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> Ooh. Not, I don't think it's ideal if you see that for the first time under those circumstances, though, that's for sure. No, no, and, and like, partially out of context, um, yeah. but I think that it would be an interesting one. Movies that have big cult followings and are shown off at parties. You know who was, in, or who was a voice ca- in the English dub of this? And for the record, I should state that both Chandler and I watched the uh, French, or in the original French release of this, subtitled? Who? Barry Bostwick. Who is a big Broadway actor, and also people my age will probably recognize him. He's Brad from uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's also in mm. a really cool, like in a Hal Needham movie called Megaforce, which is if we ever do a bad movie night, we need to watch Megaforce. Alrighty. Imagine what if Rednecks made a GI Joe movie. That's the that's the best way I can sum up Megaforce. <laughs> wow, you, you sold me on it. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. Um, I'm running out of things to say on this. No, I, um, I, another thing I wrote down was, like, I think it's always interesting to see, like, when films use made-up words. And this film has a lot of made-up words in it, um, particularly, and it, like... And it uses, and it develops its own language. But it, Yeah, but, I like, still remember, using... There's an extra credits video that talks about uh, Tolkien and uh, Frank Herbert when they were, ta- when they were writing uh, Lord of the Rings and Dune. Noon and what and how hard it is to craft a made-up mythology without feeling like it's way too obsessed with itself or way too ridiculous and is that to and try and draw stuff from real life like or in like uh they all draw from like real or in real history and real military and uh medieval aesthetics to one extent or another and i think this kind of does although i can't trace it back to it i think it does in a more abstract way like I think this actually follows the other theory. I mean, theory of if you're not going to base it on stuff that has a tangible, real-world connection, follow the kiss rule. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah, because they still function as a, um, you know, united society. It's clear enough. Like we. Have, yeah, yeah. Like most mythology we have is like again the visuals, like the meditation stuff, the set, the basic setup of the society, how or and how those people perform in the society, the name for the, the different races. And that's about it. That's all you yeah. need to know. You... We get to see like their their like council meeting or whatever. Again, this movie doesn't fuck around with the pacing. 
No, it's not. It 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 doesn't. It's pretty on point and steady. It clocks in at a very tight seventy-two minutes, which is super efficient. Before Christmas, actually. I think about it. But by um, just yeah, I I also wrote down that the plot feels strung together in the sense of being like a a um you know like a like a, a fable or a, a like children's book, you know. Which is why I brought up the whole children's storybook from another dimension. Thing. Or anything. Or anything. Yeah. Because, yeah. Again, the archness of the storytelling too is what made me think. Or anything. Yeah, that. it's not a conventional plot, but it like it opens the world up as the story goes along. They're like a loosely, you know, strung together series of events. Yeah. It's one of those movies where you don't really have to, where you can analyze it, interpret it for or in deeper themes if you want. But if you want to just rain lay back and enjoy the ride, it's more than welcome to do that welcomes you to do so yeah what do you what do you think the renowned symbolism is i honestly probably say human or, or animal rights like the racism thing i can entirely get but i don't right but i don't think it's drawn upon enough to be fully out al- an allegory on racism it's more like classes if anything it's more like class than anything i think i that's me yeah i think there, there are aspects of like the holocaust like holocaust themes um in here yeah interested to hear an an analysis of that now because this is again a movie that has been taken in a lot of interpretive ways yeah i mean that was i don't know that that's what i thought was the strongest um choice for what this was really about but i yeah i could see animal rights yeah yeah that's what made the message to me yep and i i I would like to think that, that they left it up to the you know viewer they absolutely did i think or anything i think it paint it's a story painted with very big broad strokes yes ultimately yeah i think i'd give this an eight out of ten i'd give it a solid seven but i i really want to watch it again again it is the and part of what i call the solid seven club in your in your definition i guess yeah yeah i respect it a lot it's a movie that you can't say is great, but you'll definitely go back to it in the future. Yeah, and I'm more intrigued by it than I. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of movies like that, so that I guess that works out for me. It's just I can't think of really anything else like that. I can think of stuff similar to it, but nothing that's specifically this vibe. Like I can think, I can think of other anime movies with this kind of anim- like very few things with this animation style. I can think of quite a few movies of this, or of this era of this or in style of or in of this animation breed of animation, not the style, but at least but like the mindset going in. And but I can't think of anything that gets or that ends up achieving these results. Yeah, it's a very very unique film. It's a film that's all its own with a style all its own, which in some cases, which I also brought the Dark Crystal. Tron would also be a good or an example, although this is probably a better movie on a storytelling level than Tron is. The original, yeah, yeah. The legacy is cool. Yeah, but I, 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 I may interject for a moment. I watched Legacy again over the summer. Yeah, I'm sorry, that movie still fucking rules, and Mm. not just for the Daft Punk score either. I, it's probably one of the best looking movies of the decade. Got how slick it. It It reminds me of uh, Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, honestly. Yeah, it's it's out there for sure. 
anyway, and I guess that brings us to the what, what else have we watched this week category, which I mentioned earlier that I've wa- been watching quite a few French films, actually, which Chandler, this is going to make you happy to hear. I finally watched La Jetée. Oh, nice. For those who don't know, it's a 28-minute short uh, science fiction film told entirely through still photographs and narration. Like a story novel. Yeah, what, what did you think? I loved it. I really loved it. I really loved it. I loved the atmosphere created. I loved the, mu- I mean, the music. I love how striking the imagery is, like, because I think the modus operandi for this should be, if it's going to be only through still images, those better be some striking stills. And sure enough, they are. Yeah, I think I'm I've watching seen it again, that. honestly. That was a real. I was really happy to to check that out for the first time. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic film. I've uh, seen it a few times. First time I saw it was in my anthropology class in college, and it was just. Place to check it out for the first time. Yeah, um, the teacher was really cool, but a uh, fantastic short film. Um, Respect that. It sounds pretty pretty interesting. Um, what was it called again? Oh, nice. I'm a big fan of him. Nice. The only significant notable thing that I've seen this week was Barry Lyndon, which I watched for class, and it was, man, it was incredible. Um, very long, but in a way that it didn't feel long, or it, it felt like, you know, worth it, like the same sense of, um, you know, Blade Runner 2049, where, like, the world builds around you, and it breathes so much, and it's just so striking and elegant and classy. I, I I was truly blown away, um, and I love like the Fall of Grace storyline, which is pretty common um, in a lot of films. Or it, it's been used a lot, but I yeah, but like the the cinematography, man, it was so painterly and artistic. Um... Yeah. 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 Um and it, 
Yeah, I, I was truly blown away um, by honestly all aspects of this film. Um, yeah, and there there are so many levels of nuance, which is just common throughout all of his films um, that I really enjoyed. I'm waiting to see it on the big screen because I don't want to see it on my small TV and like waste the first viewing. Yeah, it's it's definitely been on my list for a while. And it's one of the only like um, you know, classic films that I feel like I haven't seen. Yeah, you can you can just look at this film and just enjoy it for the look. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, we appreciate you for listening and uh, stay groovy, I guess. <laughs> We're out. <laughs>